Blog Talk Radio. Ah, yes. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, take a breath and feel really good about yourself and that you're here. Inhale confidence and exhale doubt because you've landed in the right spot. Good morning, Tori. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing just fine. You know, I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting up, feeling the breeze through the windows. As I was looking outside, it was still dark, and I was waiting for the night to separate into the dawn. And I was just laying there really feeling like, you know what? I have concerns about the world. I don't feel overwhelmed with fear this morning. And I'm going to spend part of the morning with my Sweetie Pie, Tori Ducart Eversman. Oh, thank you. I was looking forward to it as well. I can't believe another week has, has flown by. It seems like we just did this yesterday. It does. I like that. The marker on an, on an event is amazing, which is part of the reason why I wanted to put a series together. Friends, this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, with my co-host here, Tori Ducart Eversman. And this is The K Factor on Blog Talk Radio where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. The series that I am doing once a week with Tori is about the fear. Oh, brother, we've got Siri on over here, or Alexa, or whatever. I'm here. (laughs) It's all about overcoming fear and being on an end fear campaign right now. And we're serious about it. We don't want people sitting out here in the country feeling afraid and awkward. And actually, Blog Talk Radio is global, so we don't want anybody in the world to feel like they're all alone in this and wondering what can they do. If you've landed here, you knew exactly what to do. And we're going to really push this thing out there so we can facilitate more people feeling good. And we've done, what have we done, Tori? Three episodes now or just two? Three episodes? I think this is our third one. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. So here we are. So, you know, I have felt, it's interesting when you were saying it seems like we just did this. You know, the weeks really fly by so quickly. Time flies by so quickly. And the more activities you have, the more time flies because you're busy and you're not even realizing. But one of the things that it makes me very conscious of as I was making my coffee this morning is having company and having neighbors who would come over or having my staff who would come in because I always, even though I have an office outside of the home, I always have staff working with me who come to my home and we sit outside or we sit somewhere that's lovely in the house and you have coffee and do a morning meeting or whatever, dive into the work. Or just to have social time with people in my house. So this is the replacement for it, which is why I'm glad neither one of us are using a green screen. We're both in our real environment. Yeah. This is my real environment. <laughs> I got my cup of my one of my favorite mugs here. And so we're okay. I've got my I've got my NC State Go Pack. All right. Class. All right, good. Water and coffee and cheers. Cheers to you and everyone listening. Yeah, cheers to everyone listening is right. 
So, you know, this kind of regularity is another strategy. It's another tool for defeating fear, for overcoming the fear, for breaking loose from it. Because I'm going to tell you, for a while, for months, really, I would lay in bed. I have a TV in my bedroom. And I and I don't, it's not like I lay there all day and watch it, because I don't. I get up, I get out of bed, I make, you know, I air out the bed, then I make the bed. I don't climb back into it until I go to bed at night. But I do like to lay on the bed and relax and kick back and watch TV, whatever. Usually movies or comedy. I've never been a news junkie. And since the first of the year, I've turned into a, what's this channel saying? What's that channel? What are they saying? And getting the broad view and looking at what people are saying and, and feeling amazed that the stories that are on one outlet aren't on another. And I'm thinking, is the same thing going on? I mean, what's going on out here? But what happened was, and the point of my sharing this is, I was building up inside of me, consciously and unconsciously, a whole world of fear and anxiety and concern. You know, it starts out as a thought, then you get a little concerned, then you start to worry, and this is a stepwise progression up the ladder, and then you start to feel angst, then you feel anxiety, then you feel overwhelmed, then you get an awareness and you go, whoa, I think I'm really bummed out. I'm sad. Oh, my God, wait a second. Am I depressed? What, 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 what am I now? Am I clinical yet? Now, okay, wait a second. Then when you're sitting there, you start to feel hopeless, and boy, your fear is right there. And, and I know that fear and faith cannot live in the same being. They just can't. We cannot lose our faith. We have to regain our faith and claim it and move forward from there. And so I do put my hands together and pray, and I do meditate. However, I cannot do it in isolation. I need my people in my life. I need you in my life. I need, you know, the other people who I've got all the other days of the week, with the exception of Sunday, doing this routine with me. It's a visit. And we're visiting the world and inviting them in. And look at the good conversations that you and I have had over the last several weeks. First, as we were connecting about did we want to do this together and then since we've started doing it so it's had a wonderful effect I mean I invite everybody you know do this do you know get up and get on a zoom call or a FaceTime or a Facebook messenger video call and start seeing your people just do it you know if you're there live God put your arms around somebody yeah we uh Matt Matt and I were having our morning coffee debrief before we separate and go about our days. And one of the things that we discussed was this situation of isolation. Yep. And it was on the heels of an article that we both had read from the New York Post talking about how New York City will never be the same and just how it's a ghost town and, and the, the massive ripple effect yep. of what's happened there. Yeah. And how so many have moved to other cities, Miami, Atlanta, right. Austin. And <laughs> I was commenting, I said, you know, one of the things is that humans are, we were, we're not meant to be in isolation. No. And we're pack animals. 
Now, I do understand there is a, there's probably a, a small percentage of people who are very happy to be alone, and, and we need those people. I mean, I'm sure that you know they're gamers and programmers, and maybe perhaps some of them are even writers. But for the most part, even somebody like myself, who I think is probably an ambivert, very happy to spend time by myself. But I also I know that I need to be with other people, and 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 hopefully, as we continue to like move through uh, the virus, you know, spend more and more time with people and bigger crowds. There's energy there. There's a great. There's wonderful energy, yeah. and not to be. And, and I think based on our theme, not to be afraid of that energy. Like that doesn't have to. It doesn't mean just because somebody sneezes that we're all going to get sick. Right. Um, I mean, for somebody like me who down here has some some allergies to something in the air. I'm, I'm sneezing all the time. And I, I do find sometimes I'm in the grocery store and I have to sneeze into my purse. I mean, I must look completely ridiculous, but I'm like, oh my God, I feel it coming. And I, I just, I, I have, I like, I yeah. lift up my purse and I go, <laughs> and it's like, this is, this is what I've been reduced to. Sneezing oh in my, my purse. gosh. I understand it though. You know, when you stop and think about it, it is funny, but we, early on during this virus, I was saying, you know what, look, now this was in February when, you know, we weren't completely out of our minds about all this. Um, and yes, I am implying that right now we are pretty much out of our minds with all of this. We're all done with it. Wish it would go away. We want it to change. We want to have, you know, everything back again. Well, in February, I was writing, posting, blogging, speaking about you know, come on, friends. Let's look at the bright side of this. We, we've been pigs for a long time. We weren't washing our hands. We went potty. I mean, excuse me, I was. But we have commercials about how to wash your hands, use the foamy stuff. And I'm thinking, didn't your mother teach you that before you went to kindergarten? But, okay, so people weren't washing their hands. Great. Now we'll be a cleaner, more hands-cleaned nation. All right, that's great. But we've been running around with drippy noses and sneezing and coughing on one another, you know, forever. And we weren't very polite about staying away from people when we had a cold or the flu. People show up to meetings. How are you doing? Hi, how are you today? Oh, I'm running temperature. I don't feel good. Go home is what I would say to people. Go away. Go home. And they were like insulted. Oh, I can't do that. I have to be here. So great. Now we've had a conscious awareness. And, it, you know, we can go back to being civilized. But it is completely over the top. I mean, I clear my throat a fair amount of the time. Some of it is a habit. <clears throat> and I am so self-conscious about doing it. Just like you sneezing in your purse. Because people are terrified. It's like, oh, my God. Wait a second. It just, it's, I mean, I, before long, they're going to they're gonna swamp you in the, in, the, in the grocery store and spray you down. And sanitize the inside of your purse and put you in a plastic bubble for 45 minutes while you, you know, decontaminate or something. And it's just wild. And one of the things that I'm following, um, as we've talked about before, because I have a, you know, I have a 17-year-old and I'm interested in the return to campus Mm -hmm. versus remote learning. And so what attracts me in the media right now are the articles about and the discussions about opening campuses versus not opening campuses. Yes, and okay. I read something um, about how 
the University of North Carolina had opened for a couple of weeks, and then I guess yesterday they decided, I don't know if it was yesterday, but yesterday the news came out that they had decided to all underclassmen were going to go remote because they had a, uh, a, a rise in cases. Yeah. Um, I think it was like, I'm going to say it was about 13%. That's what I heard, 13 or 14%, right? And yet very quickly followed up with most of these people had very mild symptoms or were no or no symptoms at all or no symptoms at all and so we push the panic button and and shut everything down like and 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 where are these kids supposed to go are they are they locked in their dorm rooms are they supposed to go home and the thing that that i the question that i'm asking is is listen i understand that they're vulnerable people you know, elderly, obese, diabetic, we need to protect them. I am 100%, there is a virus and it can be very severe, acute and potentially lethal for a group of people. But when you have 18 to 24 year olds who are getting mild cases, are they being sent to the hospital? Are 10%, 13% of them going to the hospital? Why, I mean, why don't we just, have them go home or not go home, but go in their dorm room and like have them recover. And, and let, I don't know. I just, I feel like there is not an in-between. It's like, it either has to be this or this. Yeah. It's very extreme. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw a couple of things in here. One of the things that we're not doing and we have a prime opportunity to do it right now because the nation needs help. It is not just about the people who are vulnerable. You know, we don't, in my opinion, we do not treat our elderly in this country the way that we should. I still love the show, The Waltons. I, I think it is insane that we all move away from our families, that we move away from home. By the way, I can hold up my hand and say I did it at a very young age. I moved away from home way too young because I was, a smart aleck, and I thought that I knew everything, and so I could go out and make it on my own. I didn't have a clue. And, you know, I had to move back home after a couple of years for a short stint until I really started to grow up and then leave responsibly. But I spent more than 20 years of my life with my parents where their house was my house, my house was their house, and we traveled back and forth between Chicago and St. Louis, and I have done that. Now it's 40 years. My parents are gone. My mom for a decade, my dad for 20 years. And, you know, it's interesting because the vulnerabilities of the elderly and the frailty of the elderly includes an isolation that we're putting them into when we don't have them with us. Now, people get embarrassed, you know, well, but I can't have my parents at my house and it's not big enough and all that. Okay. You know what? I'm not playing a blame game with anybody. Everybody's got to make their choice and family relations are strained. We need to start teaching in this culture about family relationships and how to have relationships that are productive and happy and dealing with parents and dealing with our siblings. Now, that being said, the other part of something that we, and and so we should be doing that right now. The other part of something that we really have an opportunity to do is talk about 
holistic healing. And I'm not talking about flaky stuff. I'm talking about credible science, integrative medicine, functional medicine. I work with physicians as a doctor of psychology, as a holistic practitioner, with all the skills that I've I've been trained in over my over the course of my life and I work with them to help people learn how to boost their immune system. When you are when you are dealing with a calm mind and a boosted immune system, you're not a good host for disease. And and yeah. and, and, and you know this point is made really clear as I was as I was becoming a gardener, both outside and in the home. With, with a lot of house plants, I love plants, and so I wanted to have them year round. And I and I would go to my I would go to my greenhouse, and I and I would ask the experts there, the horticulturists and the botanists and the gardeners, why are some of my plants getting sick? I mean, like there's like a, a bug on them or something is wrong. And they would come to a house call, or I would bring my plants, and they'd say, this plant is compromised, and it becomes a good host for something. To invade it, and it, like, what are you talking about? Well, the part of it that's alive is trying to survive, and so what wants to plant itself there can gobble up the part that's alive and just victimize it. Okay, well, I I understood that. So make this visible and tangible. If a plant is in a pot and it's completely dry, it's not getting enough water. It starts to wilt. It becomes a good host. You water it, it stands up straight. It has the energy then to go through photosynthesis and drink that water and get the light, and then it's a happy plant. And it's it becomes, you know, a disease and insect resistant. And same with overwatering or whatever the conditions are. Human beings are the same. And by the way, the two most important things we can do to boost our immune system are Tremendous hydration, half as many fluid ounces as your body weight. You weigh 200 pounds, drink 100 fluid ounces of water every day, and rest. We need a complete rest overnight because the way that our biological clock works, we are cleansing our organs during the night. So in terms of combating fear to all of our audience and friends out here around the planet, water and, hy- and hydration and being able to get a good night of sleep, then you can wake up with at least a bit of energy. And then you have to do the things to calm your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we flooding the news with this? I don't know. And that's why I'm like going back to this Chapel Hill. And I only read one article and, and, and I didn't dive too deeply into it. I just, the fir- my first thoughts, were about the, the remark that most of these these kids had mild to no symptoms. I was like, okay, that's that's really good. That's good news. That's great news. Yeah, really, really good news. Um, and then and then my <laughs> next, you know, the next couple of questions that I had were like, how long have they? How long were they sick? And and how many of them ended up being hospitalized? And you know those are those are additional things that need to be asked and looked into, um, because I can I would imagine that prior to opening school that they they had protocols put in place. I mean this is a pretty prestigious 
Yeah, like were they tested before they were allowed to come back? Yeah, I mean, I, who, I don't know. I don't. I, and as I said, it's one of those things that just really made me curious uh, because there are ferocious fights going on around the country, and I think around in, in certain parts of the world too. I think in the UK, they're they're trying to figure this out also about opening campus to students, um, and. It's just something that currently is interesting to me because, as I said, you know, I have a 17-year-old who her first day of senior year was yesterday, and uh, she was in her room. Uh, And meanwhile, you know, all summer she has been out. She's been working. She's been socializing. She's been going to the beach. She met up with friends yesterday after school to do a book swap. I'm like, okay, so they've, they've... they're being exposed. They're trying to be normal. Um, so <clears throat> I, I can't remember if we talked about this offline or not, but I think it was offline. I have a, I have, I have dubbed this the spork phase. Did we talk about this live? I don't think so. But, no, but you um, talked to me about it. But yes, spork, the combination yeah. fork spoon. Yeah. So my, um, for those who don't know what a spork is, I mean, it, it actually kind of looks like your hand. It's like, you know, like, right? You know, you, you get it's it's half spoon and half fork. Right. But the the, the tongs of the of the fork are are a little bit wider than a regular fork. And I don't know why, but I said this months ago. I remember after nine eleven, when you would go to the airport or you would get on the airplane and you would either you were buying food or you were being served food, and you weren't given a fork and a knife. You were given a fork. Right. And it's it's hard to eat salad with a spork. It's hard to like. It's hard to eat I, anything with a spork. I don't I mean, like those things. Yeah, I mean, it, and and it's hard to eat soup with a spork. I mean, so <laughs> it, it, it's it's like I I need I need I need my little utensils. That whoever invented those things a gazillion years ago, brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> However, you can eat cottage cheese with a spork, and that's probably about it. But um, I. I came up with this theory that after 9-11, we were in the spork phase. And I don't remember for how long it was. But now when you go to the airport or you get on an airplane, I, well, maybe not right now because I don't think they're serving any food. But prior to COVID, we got forks and knives again. Like yeah. we and, and because we were able, we got through the spork phase, we were able to figure out how to make flying as safe as possible. Right. And, and realizing like, hey... You know, the chances of someone getting up and stabbing the pilot with their fork that they got, you know, right. their fake is right. pretty small now. Is that why they changed? Was it about attacking? Yeah, I mean, I think it was because, you know, the, I think that one of the terrorists used a pen or something. I, I don't, honestly, I don't remember because yeah, I don't okay. talk about bad stuff. But, yeah. Um, so anyway, what you're no, thinking was, is... I think it was an exacto knife. That's what it was in the pen. Okay. But that, so my whole my whole thing is that I was like, right now, we're in the spork phase. Like, everybody is having to try to, like, live their lives just with a spork. We're not allowed to have a knife and a fork anymore. And we've got to... We're fumbling through. And we, we will get through it. It's just awkward and weird. And, and, and it's just, you know, instead, and, and in the case of Chapel Hill... I'm like, so they had sports, but then they were like, no, nope, no, nope, we're not even going to give you meals, and we're taking the sports away and leave. And rather than sort of 
seeing, and I, I, I don't know the administration. I understand, understand like the, the they're just an example. Yeah, they're you just know, conversation of fear. I'm like, what do, right. you, do you have a very unhealthy population at Chapel right. Hill? Is that no, what it is? No. So let's take Chapel Hill off the hook, because what we're talking about is they just happen to pop up on the news. This is taking place at universities, high schools, junior highs, and grade schools, and preschools, and nursery nursery schools. So, so here's the theme. Everybody is so distracted about how I don't want to spread a germ. We're talking like this so that you can't understand what anybody is saying. I know. And, and, we're, and we're fearful, and, and people are barking at one another and even getting violent with one another. We do have a, a person in Congress who shall go unnamed who thinks that if you're not wearing a mask, you should be charged with attempted murder. Now, hang on, folks. This is way over the top. What we need to do is get out of this paradigm. It is a fear paradigm. It, yeah. we, you know, it's just like with medicine. When I created my cardiovascular intervention program and Blue Cross Blue Shield bought it from me, they kept saying, this is great. Can you, can you create a prevention program? Now, this was 35 years ago. I said, show me an American who's healthy enough for a prevention program. At this point, it wouldn't be a cost-benefit. We are rampant with cardiovascular disease and the underlayment of it. What we have to do is interventions. Right now, what we have to do in this country is stop talking about people who are obese, stop talking about people who have got diabetes, and do the interventions right now. Like everybody who's overweight, everybody who's diabetic, there's a remedy, and it's not about pharmaceuticals that hide the symptoms and don't get to the cure and the solution. It is about getting to the cure and the solution and simultaneously boosting your immune system. The entire country should be boosting the immune system instead of spending gazillions of dollars on things that are not getting used. How about if we use American products, we don't have to import them, we start designing programs or using programs that are already designed, and we go viral in terms of teaching people how do you boost the immune system. That's, that's a show that I'm going to be adding to this platform because it's so flipping necessary. we got yeah. to get out of the fear. You know, first of all, in terms of the protocols and in terms of the diagnoses, most people don't even know about the terminology called false positives. Not all tests are created equal. Not all outcomes are created equal. Not all procedures that are standardized are followed. Even when it comes to simple blood pressure taking, I, was, I used to teach for the American Heart Association for years, teaching people who already knew how to actually really take an appropriate blood pressure because they weren't doing it in a standardized procedure. People were being told they had high blood pressure. No, they didn't. You walked in the room, made them nervous, took an inflated blood pressure. That's not hypertension. we got to get baseline. When it comes to the coronavirus, we can't just be doing a test and being flippant about it. 
What were the conditions it was taken under? How did you handle the sample? What was, what was the actual product that you used to do the testing? What are the qualifications of the laboratory that you're using? There's all these questions, and people don't ask. But we know that there's a huge percentage. If you have 1% of false positive, it's 1% too much. Yeah. So this fear, we need to take a step back and say, wait a second. We need to do this differently. We need to start talking about the additional components here. Otherwise, I don't think that we have a chance because it'll go from coronavirus into the flu. And people are already talking about flu season. Stop talking about it like you're waiting for a cousin to arrive at the door. <laughs> a cousin you don't like. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, I know they're coming. You better get the guest room ready. No, you know, you, you prepare for them to not arrive. You don't make it. <sighs> yeah, there's a, a man uh, named Ron Finley who I'm, I'm paraphrasing his message, but basically, you know, food can kill us or food can save us. Food is our medicine. And, yeah. And he uh, is a gentleman who is in uh, Los Angeles, who was who basically took a an abandoned piece of grass in front of his yard, and, and you know, like literally, I think we call them swales here, but I don't know what I don't know. It just between the sidewalk and the street, there was just this a plot of land, a little teeny weeny plot of land. I mean, when I say small, I mean I think it was like ten by twelve, not even. And he made a garden. And he made a garden. Yeah. And he's and it's called the Ron Finley Project, and he's a, he's going around and he's teaching people how to grow their own food and how that is how that is medicine for them and 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 you know how to incorporate fresh vegetables into children's diets and it doesn't have to. I think um, I heard someone I didn't remember who it was the other day. Like it, people said, oh, it's expensive to do these things. It's expensive to do these things. Well, one thing that you can do that is not expensive at all is to stop drinking soda. Oh my and goodness. Water. Like, yeah, that's not expensive. You, it, it, it actually will save you money. Yes. <laughs> a lot of money. Right. Exactly. So I do, I think there's a lot of um, confusing information about what a healthy diet is because we, we've gone, you know, the pendulum has swung fat. Many times. Fat is good. But we don't know what what fat are we supposed to what what fat is good and how are we supposed to eat it and how are we supposed to incorporate it into our diet? I mean, again, going back to like uh, like fear, I think there's fear around not understanding what it is I'm supposed to eat. Um, I can clear that up right away. It's actually really simple. I was trained as a nutritionist when I was 19 by Dr. Rudolph Valentine brilliant man in Chicago at the Himalayan Institute. Phenomenal place. My undergraduate work, triple major, psychology, biology, and chemistry. I was studying nutrition and behavior. Nutrition is very straightforward. Yes, there's trends and there's theories about how to lose weight. And every one of them have got some credence to them. But here's the basics. Eat natural if you pick up a food and it's got a list of ingredients and you have no idea what they are, put it down, put it away. If it says butter, you're getting butter. If it says yogurt, you're getting yogurt. When you go to buy meats 
and fishes. Go to the sea, the seafood and meat counter. Stay away from the frozen foods that are prepackaged, pre-cooked, and all that. I mean, if you buy frozen and it's just that one simple ingredient, like I'll buy frozen cod or frozen shrimp, great. But what you want to do is make your diet simple, one ingredient at a time, and learn how to spice it up. Just buy a mix of spices. If you don't know what to do, just buy one that says spice mix, you know. Or, you know, Italian seasoning. It's got different herbs and spices in it. The other thing is eat fresh. The majority of your diet should be fresh. What do I mean by fresh? Vegetables and then fruits. Vegetables are healthy. They've got nutrients. They're easy to digest. Raw, if you've got any digestive issues, soften them up by steaming them or stir-frying them. With, with fruits, why do I say them second? Because they have a lot of sugar. So just eat them in moderation. So just be reasonable with yourself. And excuse me to every fast food drive through place, cut out the fast food. It's expensive. It's not fresh. It's handled by a lot of people. It goes through a lot of channels before it gets to you. Try to buy local. Try to buy fresh. And that's it. And when you're sitting and when you're eating, sit still. Sit at a table and eat. Don't eat laying down. You got to digest just sitting up. Don't eat while you're walking around. Just sit still. Be calm. Take in your food. Make it lovely to look at. Nice aroma. And then enjoy it gustatorily through your mouth. And enjoy it with other people there in calm. There's nothing complicated about nutrition, but people think, I don't know what to eat. All the questions that you just posed, keep it simple. Yeah, I think even we have found that, especially with the proteins that we buy, the, the animal proteins that we buy, sometimes the simplest is just salt and pepper. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. mean, because it's not masking the flavor. Right. Um, for those people who still eat animal proteins, which we do, yeah, I do um, that, like, that sometimes I mean, you can get a piece of salmon, put some sea salt on that little sucker, and <laughs> there you go. You, you, don't go. Need, right. you don't need a lot. No. Um, keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. And I, I, and I think there, there's just Fear is being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And it seems like, you know, the second wave or what, I, I don't even know, the second iteration or the yeah, flu right, whatever it. It's like, oh my gosh, we, we've been terrified since February. We, people have got to rest from this fear. You cannot be running from, you cannot be running from Godzilla and think that it's going to be healthy for you month after month after month. Like, it's just, you, as you said. You like, need a breather. You need a break. And, you know, th- maybe the break is to take the opportunity to cut out soda, drink water. You know, we've heard it. You and I have heard it. But for those who haven't, you know, walk the perimeter of the grocery store and pretty much don't go in the middle unless, you know, maybe you're getting some beans or you know, 
I don't remember what else is in the middle of the grocery store. Well, you know, some go down the aisles that say, you know, chips. <laughs> yeah. You know, all the all the junk. Okay, here's here's the other part of this in terms of fear, and we're talking about nutrition here. We need distractions, friends. Yeah. We really need distractions. We need to waken in the morning and have things that we get into so that we start our day on the right foot. The Tuesday show that I do, I do two shows on Tuesday. And the Tuesday morning show, the first show, is Tuesdays with Tessa. And it's this wonderful friend of mine, Tessa Greenspan. And she's lovely. And she is a wise, older elder. And she is magnificent. She's beautiful physically. She's sharp intellectually. And she is genteel. And I say to her, okay, Tessa, this show is about your wisdom and imparting it to me and everybody else. I know a bunch of your secrets, but I want you to share them with everybody. So how in the world do you get up in the morning and do what you do? I mean, I've spent a lot of time with this woman, and she's gone through horrible stuff in her life. I mean, you know, she's got a book called From the Outhouse to the Penthouse. She literally was born into a dirt floor log cabin. I mean, just you know, rural and challenged, but a lot of beauty. You know, she found it. The point is when she wakes up in the morning, her morning routine is the normal bathroom hygiene. And then she sits and she is hydrating and she is writing down how she is going to be of service today. What Mm -hmm. is it that I can do to be of service today? Put me in the direction, Lord and universe of what it is that I can do to be of purpose, to be of service. And then she writes down her intentions for the day. And she does readings that are that are really putting her mind into a good gear and doing a meditation. You know, I have, I have had her talk about this repeatedly because every time she talks about it, there's another flavor of something that she reveals that's really helpful. I do those things, and Tori, I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. I get up in the morning and I do that. We need to do that because we need to change our state and get flowing into other things. You know, we need to, uh, you can go to YouTube and well, you can go to the Deborah Carlin YouTube channel and find, you know, now I've got like uh, on one channel doing these shows every day, about 30 or so videos that people can watch from 15 minutes to a little over an hour on all different topics that are going to make you feel good. The other thing you can do is, is just Google uh, in or search in YouTube yoga and see other people who start out in terrible shape and take their journey with them and see how they, it transforms them within, you know, like two months or whatever and get inspired by that. Go on there and, and type in, we were talking about this yesterday, giggling babies. and get out of the fear state and remember happiness because we have to recapture it we have to i went on a um i went on a a long bike ride yesterday my my um like one of and part of my bike ride is through this uh public park and it's been it was shut down completely for a while and then it's kind of reopened, the, the major fields haven't reopened, 
So most of the time when I'm riding my bike through there, I rarely see more than two other people across the entire thing. And I found so much joy and pleasure as I rounded the corner and saw about a dozen little kids. They were probably under the age of six. And two adults, and they were had a like a kind of a Nerf ball kind of thing, and they were I guess they must have been playing tag, and uh, and the, the kids were running and screaming, and they, everyone was smiling and giggling, and I was like, the park in this one yeah, little corner where these I'm people sure were was alive. I was like, yeah. it, this is this is what it means to be alive and I stopped and I looked at them I looked at them and, and one of the adults looked at me and I said I cannot tell you how much pleasure I'm getting right now listening to these children scream and laugh and watching them running around and this is this is what it's supposed to be and the rest of my ride which was you know a couple more miles after that I just felt this incredible sense of, of joy just from that one, you know, five seconds yeah. of interaction. You got the energy, the frequency yeah. of childhood joy. We all need that. And if you can't get it live, then go into the internet and seek it out virtually. But we have to get them. That You know, we're giving our audience here today so many remedies for fear. And that is exactly what you and I wanted to do. You know, we started out our episode, our series, talking to people about the ways in which we both have experience and deep experience with what it is that prompted us to want to come here together and lift ourselves and others out of this. We're all experts in being afraid. (laughs) Even if you've only experienced it by playing, you know, hide and seek and having somebody find you and you, you get scared. But the, the, the real reality for all of us is no matter what it is that's happening, we do have a choice with our mind. And as soon as you said that you took a long bike ride, my first thought was, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to get out on my bicycle and take a long bike ride. It's so beautiful for our body and our mind. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful. I, I, um, I, I, there's a lot to look at in the end. And when you're riding a bike, you kind of also have to pay attention. Like, you can't. Well, I mean, I do see people riding their bikes, talking on the phone. Or oh, no. Oh, my I God. Can't, I, I can't do that. Like, I can't. <laughs> I'm, no like, way. I'm like, I have, to, I have to be focused on making sure that I don't, you know, crash into a tree or something. Right. <laughs> or pothole. Um, you got to be mindful yeah. about where you're going. Where you I going? also, I thought I was, it was interesting. I remember when, as a child, we used to ride bikes all the time. And would ride not holding on to the handlebars, like having balance. I loved and, that. Yeah, and I realized, I was like, you know, that's something that I should probably try, not in a dangerous situation, clearly where there's a straightaway and there's, like, no chance of me, like, crashing into a tree. But I thought even just the balance, I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of my life, and, and um, you know, I think that balance is something that is really important, and, and you I've heard, and you can probably speak to this way more than I can, you know, yeah. a lot of times when you hear about elderly people who have fallen down the stairs and then they end up breaking their hips and, you know, a lot of it has to do with the balance goes away. And so I thought, oh, this is a great way for me to incorporate, I mean, I do do yoga, but just more balance. 
like it, it just it's not even it's just a simple thing i'm like riding my bike i'm like okay i'm gonna take my hands off the handlebars for just a few moments and do and, you yeah no i did i just realized it yesterday i mean i, I haven't i i'm not an avid bike rider but yeah. i i um hurt my achilles i will and, i will never ride without my hands on the handlebars <laughs> <laughs> I just being on the bicycle, you're getting so I'm gonna just tell you, you don't have to practice balance by taking your hands off the handlebars. You are practicing balance by being on the bicycle. And yoga is a fabulous way to really hone your balance. You're doing a lot of things standing on one leg and having the other leg support, you know, like you you stand on one leg and you've got the foot of the other leg lifted up and pressed up against your thigh. Yeah. balance. And yeah, and, and do that on both legs. But but taking taking risks in the midst of I'm, listen, I used to ride my bicycle a lot. I mean I would do cross country trips on my bicycle. And and never made it cross country, but made it over several states. And I would ride without my hands on the handlebars. But and I would do it anywhere. You know, busy, not busy. As we get older, we have wisdom. (laughs) We can, if you, you know, if you want to do it, I've got stuff on my handlebars. You know, like I got, I got a a thing that carries my phone. So if there, like, if I need to make a nine one one call or something, I would be able to have my emergency thing there. That's the only reason that I have it there because I'm not talking on the phone. Uh, I got my bell. And I've got um, I've got something else up there. It's kind of crowded. <laughs> I'm and, yeah. and oh, oh, I've got a basket on the front. So, you know, for me to take my hands off the handlebars, I've got additional weight on the front that would turn the wheel, right? Yeah. So, one of the things that happens as we get older is we start thinking that we're getting older, and then we start being really cautious and careful. But really, what we need to do is just be elegant and graceful in our steps and have confidence about it and not be thinking about our previous injuries and, oh, I got to watch out. I mean, we're all guilty of doing all these things, but if we're going to get beyond fear, it needs to be a theme in our life that goes beyond the virus, beyond the civil unrest, and live in 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 a world of of no fear because we've become fearless. We're, we're out here in a world where, where we are feeling the beauty of having faith, not being stupid, but having yeah. faith. I mean, you're, you're riding your bike and you're, and, and you're filled with faith and, and you run across these children. That was no accident. You invited that happiness into your world. In those moments, yeah, beautiful that is. Yeah, and it was great. You know, it was it was definitely because I I'm a I'm a big walker, and uh, you know, usually when I'm walking, I go I have several paths, but I, you know, but I don't know. I usually stick to those. When I went for my bike ride yesterday, I went on paths that I don't normally walk on, and. Um, I saw people out and I waved and I smiled and, you know, it was great. And it was, it was like, just, I felt, I just felt like I was like 
we, I think one of the things you had asked last week what, we to talk about, like, is sort of spreading yeah. the inspiration to spread yeah. positive feelings. Yeah. And I just felt really good yesterday when I was riding my bike past people and I was saying hello and, you know, almost to a person, everybody said, hello, how are you today? I mean, not just hello back, but hello, how are you? Like, engaging me in a conversation. It's like booming high. I was like,
and I'm walking through. When I only got a couple of things. And as I get up to the checkout, I'm holding my items because I had to force myself <laughs> to do a full-out shopping with a cart. And that's the way to do it. You know, if you have to carry things, you're not going to pile them up too much. Yeah. So I have like four items. And I, I walk over to the line, and the man looks at me and can see my eyes. And he, and he says to me, you go in front of me. I said, really? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know what? Someday we'll reverse the, the pattern here, and I'll have you go in front of me. He says, great, that's fine. And it was friendly. And, and my joy spilled over to him, and his generosity spilled over to me. I get up to the checker, and, and she's not having a good day. The, the receiving is not friendly. And I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, bless your heart for being here. Except instead of thinking it, I said it. I said, you know what? Bless your heart for being here. What would we do if you didn't show up for work? And she looked at me and she said, I never thought about that. And I said, well, neither did I until just now. And she stood there and she rang my stuff up. And then she just completely zoned out. And and I looked at her for a minute and I said, are you okay? And she said, I don't know. I just, all of a sudden, I disappeared. And I said, have you had a long work day? Yes. And I said, you looked at the people. I had two people behind me. I said, just one minute. Because I didn't want them to think I was going to yippity-yap-yap, right? Hold up the line. I said, I want to tell you something. What you're telling me, what I'm observing about you, is you've had a long day. Do you have a time off pretty soon? She said, I had the next three days off. I've worked X many days straight. And I said, great. I'm glad I'm here to tell you this. You're in overwhelm when you leave here tonight. Go home, take either a nice long bath and luxuriate in it, or take a nice hot shower, get products from the store here, and just experience it, and then lay down and relax. And she just looked at me, got this wonderful, warm look of relief on her face. And I said, and I'm going to thank you again for being here. I completely got out of my zone of anything and just dialed over to her. And she's kind of a rough character. She's not somebody who I would normally connect with. And I thought, why not? Why not? And, and what would I do if she weren't here? What would we do? I don't want to go through the self scan. I want the human contact. And then, you know, the bagger was right there. I just needed one container, you know, one bag. And, and I, and I left it lovely and we said good night to one another and I wished her to have three days of absolute replenishment. If that is a part of what we can do for one another, fear dissipates. Trust is built. I'm never going to see her again and both of us not remember that. Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the things that you said, and I've heard this from other uh, healing types of people, you know, taking a bath or a shower is really cathartic. Yeah. Especially when you're in overwhelm because you can, especially with the shower, you can visualize that it's washing off the overwhelm or the anxiety or whatever the situation can be. And, and, you know, right. You know, again, something hopefully free for most of us, um, you know, is to take a shower. If you're feeling, you know, then get out and drink a nice glass of water. (laughs) Look at that puppy behind you. Uh, For those of you who aren't on our video, 
we've got a black Labrador in the background there. Yes, yeah, so we were, we were talking Mr. about Pamuk. him. It's who? His name is Mr. Pamuk. Mr. Pamuk. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Pamuk. <laughs> <laughs> I love animals. So oh, I know. that's the other thing, you know, having animals is absolute bliss. And I am, am so in love with pets. And so I I don't have any pets. I don't have cats and dogs right now or horses and chickens or anything. And so I went and I got a little beta fish. And I've got this little fish, and I've got him in a fishbowl, big round fishbowl, on my dining room table, propped up so you can see him from across the room. And, and you can see him. I, was gonna, I almost said everybody can see him when we're sitting at the dining room table, but I'm the one sitting at the dining room table. I might have one person at a time over here. But... I have befriended a little tiny fish that's about two inches long and who is beautiful red and blue and silver. And and people were laughing at me about this, but seriously, when I walk from the living room, from the den through the living room into the dining room, this little guy sees me and he comes, you know, they've got these like chiffon fins and he comes chiffoning over to me. And over to that side of the bowl, and I say, hey, I named him Flirty. So it wouldn't be too feminine if I called him Fluffy. So it's a guy, so I call him Flurf, you know, like, hey, Flurf. <laughs> so as to not compromise as much as well. And, and he comes over, and, and, I, and so I started putting my, my hand and then just my fingers up against the bowl, and he would swim back, back and forth. And then I start moving my fingers, and he follows them. Now when I go in there, he's been blowing bubbles, which is really funny. I'm noticing all the subtleties of this one little fish, and, and then I end up talking to him. So how are you doing over here, Flirty? Oh, look at those little bubbles. And you know what? I climb outside of myself, and I do the same thing with my plants. So plants and animals, creatures. Oh, and I'll tell you what, here's the other thing. Now, this is a little kooky. I'll bring this back for our next episode. Okay. I have a bird. I have a singing bird, but it's battery operated. (laughs) It's a parakeet that you can get on Amazon that sits on a perch, and it's got little batteries in it, and it's plastic, so I put it amidst plants. But it is motion sensitive. So I have a chirping bird in my home. We're down to the last 90 seconds, and we're leaving our audience laughing. Corey, it is a wonderful pleasure every time we do this. I just absolutely adore this time with you. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you so much, too. And I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, just do one little small thing for yourself this week if you can. Yep, you will. You can every day. Peace out until next time. Absolutely. Everyone have a great week. Bye.